Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show, brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. Very excited to welcome Josh Weinfuss of ESPN. He covers the Arizona Cardinals. Welcome to the show, Josh. Big game on Sunday, I guess. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is a big game. I mean, I think anytime the Cardinals, anytime the you know, team's coming off of being the Cowboys, who everyone basically projected to be a playoff caliber team, and then they go to play a team like the 49ers, I think that the Cardinals are, I think they think right now, I don't think they're invincible. I don't think they think they're invincible, but I think they think that like, Hey, if we can beat the Cowboys, we can beat anybody at this point. So it'll be interesting. Which is which is fair. And it's a division rival. And that those games always can be weird. And I will also say, historically, over the last several years, there are times where the 49ers have really struggled against the Arizona Cardinals. So mm-hmm. one never knows. Any given Sunday, Josh, that's what they say. Any given Sunday. That's why you play the game, right? It's a, it's, it's the biggest cliche in sports, but it's, it's also the truest. It's why you play the game. I think we should either speak only in cliches or only in Taylor Swift lyrics. I will let you choose. Um, I will go in cliches because I am not a Taylor Swifty yet. Is that what you call it? Is it a Swifty, a Taylor Swifty? I don't know. I yesterday that those of us who were already Swifties and were already NFL fans, I think we should be called Nifties. I will tell you this. I had a conversation during the game on Sunday. My game on Sunday, you guys were off with one of your colleagues who covers the Niners, Nick Wagner. And we literally, like, we had a long conversation during the game, during the Cardinals game, about Taylor Swift and her impact on the NFL. And it was it was kind of exciting, right? Like, it, I mean, I think what she's bringing to the league is a – I mean, first off, she's bringing a set of eyes that a lot of her fans probably either never really cared about the NFL or cared about it on a very passing level. I mean, and now they're, like, getting – in the nitty gritty of who Travis Kelsey and the Kansas city chiefs are. So I think that's, that's phenomenal, right? It's exposing the league to a different sect of society and vice versa. Like I think a lot of NFL fans are kind of like, who's Taylor Swift. I've heard her name. She almost sang the Super Bowl. Like I think it's very interesting what has happened. Football is back and bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, and it's great really for me and my network, for Fangirl Sports Network, because this is what we've always done. Like, we've, we, I created it so female fans would have a pers- like a female perspective. There'd be content for female fans, but we so often marry sports and pop culture because the two go together. And this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing, pretty much it kind of like embodies us. So I'm loving it and all in for it. So 
Let's do it. And I'm going to use this as a shameless plug. If you know any Swifties listeners who are new to the NFL, please have them follow Fangirl Sports Network. And we do content at two pieces of content. One week, it's Fangirl and Training Fit, where we kind of give you the basics and the rules of something big happening that week in the world of sports. And then the next week, it's the dating game. And this week was all about, it was all Travis, Kelsey, Taylor, Swift themed, but it's kind of red card or yellow card. And we marry sports and dating. So I'm just throwing out those two shameless plugs for all of our potential new Swifty listeners. I, I will do that. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but if I come across any, I will, will you, I will send them your way. Anyone listening, spread the word, my friends. Spread the word. But <laughs> Taylor Swift will not be at the 49ers Cardinals game, though apparently she will be at the Jets Chiefs game per Jordan Schultz. But she will not be at the 49ers Cardinals game, but we will be at the 49ers Cardinals game. So much to discuss. As you said, Cardinals coming off a big win over the Cowboys. The 49ers 3-0 looking like a top team in the NFL, dealing with a few injuries, so we'll get to that in a minute. But kind of what do you expect out of this game, Josh, and what do you think in this game may surprise people? So what I expect out of this game is I don't expect it to be as close as the Cardinals-Cowboys game was. I think the 49ers are such a superior team, not just to the Cardinals, but to everybody else. And I think it's different than, than how people perceive the Cowboys because the, the Niners have been doing this for so long at such a high level, right? And they have a lot of continuity. Something I talked about today with Jonathan Gannon, the Cardinals head coach, you know, about how like, I asked him if it was easy because it's easy to kind of scout the 49ers because of their continuity, right? You have the same, a lot of the same skill position players are have been there or there this year that were there in the last year. He obviously played them in the playoffs with the, with the Eagles last year. And he said it's actually harder to prepare for a team like this because when an offense, specifically an offense, has so much continuity from year mm-hmm. after year, they play so much faster than the defense. And he's like, he's like, they play faster just right from the snap. And it's so hard to defend that. So I, I, I just think that the Niners are at such a, an elite level right now. They're humming. You know, it's been years of this. I think Brock Purdy's playing very good football. Um, he has the talent around him. So I don't know. I just, I think for all the strides the Cardinals have made, this is going to be a great test for them to see exactly where they are, right? Like the Cowboys, they, they were going through some stuff. I mean, so were the Cardinals, right? Like, like a lot of people are like, Oh my God, the, 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 the Cowboys didn't have digs. Well, the Cardinals didn't have Buda Baker, or Kyler Murray, right? And they still won that game. So uh, that whole narrative, I think needs to go out the window, but I do think that Arizona, will get a good idea of where they are as a football team on Sunday. Which is so interesting because it's like a tale of two football teams. Because you, you, so you have one football team that certainly is playing better, as you said, than people thought that they were going to. Probably is not, I'm, I don't want to surprise anybody here, probably is not a playoff team. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, and then you have another team that's a little bit in a Super Bowl or bust thought process and that, I mean, not Super Bowl or bust, but you know, they talked a lot about it in training camp and that's the goal. And then that's where they see this going. This team is built to win a Super Bowl. So it's kind of interesting when you have these two teams where one of them, it's like, let's see where we are kind of get an idea of where we really are as a team. And the other one is like, we need to keep winning football games because we want home field advantage and a first round bye. Yeah. So I think what's so interesting about that is when you have matchups like this, and we kind of talked up, talked about a little bit before we started the podcast. Was that like these are those trap games, 
mm-hmm. where, you know, the Niners, are, they're, they're, they probably look at the Cardinals a little bit differently than we do, but they still understand, like, what's going on out here. And this is one of those games that I think there's that slim, 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 slim chance that Arizona steals it because I'm sure there are Niners that are going to look past this game because they have Dallas coming up the week after. So this is that game that, that, that it's always scary for teams on the schedule because they're not – the Cardinals aren't a bad football team, right? They've proven right. that. They, 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 in, in reality, they should be three and zero, right? If they had Josh Dobbs two weeks earlier in training camp, they would be a three and zero team right now, uh, uh-huh. which is wild because everyone expected them to go like two and fifteen, three and fourteen. It's insane. But right. this is this is that type of game where like you have the team that's that's, that's Super Bowl or bust. You have the team that's rebuilding, that's trying to figure out who they are, and that's never a good recipe for the team that's better. It just never is. Well, that's true, and that's the, it's the kind of game where a couple mistakes early could change the whole thing. But you mentioned Brock Purdy. I want to talk a little bit about a couple injury things the 49ers are dealing with. We'll see kind of what happens the rest of the week. We're recording this on Wednesday evening, so I want to give that disclaimer because much can change between, between Wednesday and the game. But the 49ers were without uh, Jawan Jennings at practice with a shin issue. Debo Samuel did not practice. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was back at practice in a blue jersey. But those things matter. Now, I am going to go full Michigan bias. Josh, you may not know this about me. I went to the University of Michigan. I am a diehard Michigan fan. Anybody listening to this podcast knows that. Uh, So I say that because I'm about to bring up Ronnie Bell, who last last week had a really good game, his first NFL catch. It was a touchdown. So this could be a big Ronnie Bell game, but obviously no Debo Samuel. If Jawan Jennings isn't able to go, that does change the offense somewhat. Yes. Um, wait, he said no Samuel for sure? He No, no, I didn't say that. I said he didn't practice on Wednesday with a gotcha. knee issue. And, I, and oh, I, gotcha, I, gotcha. I gave the disclaimer that much can change between yes. – now on Sunday, if I'm the 49ers and Debo Samuel is dealing with the rib and knee issue on Wednesday, I am not having him practice 100%. Right. So I'm just saying he didn't practice. Juwan Jennings has a shin issue. So I'm just throwing out that there are yeah. some injury issues in the wide receiver room. We'll see what happens on Sunday, who ends up playing. But I think it's certainly those are things to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Especially with how the Cardinals defensive front has been playing. I think if the Niners don't have their full complement of receivers i think that's where this game could get very interesting because arizona um a lot of people who are listening to this will will not know this but their front seven is good like solidly good they have a very good push up front even though they're down a couple guys on the defensive line but they have an outside linebacking crew of you know their their pass rushing is is one of the best in the league right they i haven't checked yet but they they at one point they tied for the league lead in sacks last week. I think they have 10 or 11 now at this point. I have to, to double-check that. But my point is that they can get to the quarterback, and they could. They will put a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy, play in and play out. You know, Cardinals defense coordinator Nick Rollis, who was with Gannon in Philly last year, is very creative. He loves using a, a these unique packages of three or four outside linebackers in the defensive front. There are times where there's no defensive linemen. It's all outside linebackers, and that creates a ton of mismatches for an offensive line, regardless of how good it is. And if, if Purdy doesn't have the, the, the his, his typical crop of receivers, I think that's going to change the dynamic of the offense, which then gives Arizona a tad bit of an advantage, pinning their ears back and going if, he, if Purdy doesn't have those guys 
to throw to on a regular basis. So I think, you know what, if, if that if it plays out where they don't have one or two of the receivers, things might get interesting on Sunday. So I also I want to throw out the disclaimer one more time that we are recording Wednesday night, and this will go live on Friday morning. So Thursday becomes an interesting day to see is Debo Samuel back at practice in, a, in limited fashion. You guys, I'm pretty sure most of you listening to this follow me, so you will find that information out. But I do think it does create an interesting narrative, as you said, and about Brock Purdy. So let's talk a little bit about quarterbacks. Uh, you brought up Brock Purdy, and obviously he is playing at a very high level. You mentioned that the Cardinals would be 3-0 and if they had Josh Dobbs earlier in training camp. And so very different quarterbacks. But I think Brock Purdy is a person who I've kind of felt like nationally – People, when the season started, could not wrap their head around, heads around the fact that Brock Purdy is, is as Kyle Shanahan said in training camp, the real deal, uh, that he is the guy, that he is the person they have their trust in. And over these last few weeks, I think he has shown people, yeah, he really is. I don't know how it wasn't that way before, but I do. I can understand it's hard for people to wrap their head around their fact that the final pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, is indeed quite relevant and very important to this football team. But Josh Dobbs is another guy who is much better than people were giving him credit for. So in these two quarter, these quarterbacks obviously do not go up against each other, but in this quarterback matchup, what do you find to be kind of the most interesting? They're so different, right? Like the yeah. stories are just so different. Their paths in the NFL are so different. Their styles are so different. Like, it's funny because you can't really like sit there and be like, oh, these guys, you know, like here's here's the comparison between the two. No, there's, really um, there's really not right. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see two very styles of two very different styles of football. And I think you know what? That's kind of what makes this league great, right? Is like every week you, you might not see the same two types of quarterbacks um, face off, and this is going to be one of those examples. You know, Brock Purdy is a guy who I think I think this is just more proof of how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan is, like. Mm-hmm it does not matter what quarterback is behind center. And I say that not to take away from Brock, but to show that Kyle can like, he can win with anybody. And that's a telltale sign of a great coach, not a good coach, a great coach. Um, and Brock Purdy is, you know, he, he came out of Iowa state with a ton of experience. And I think that's shown, I think this can lead into a different conversation about how, teams evaluate college quarterbacks you know everyone wants the next great thing everyone wants to to climb the the the, the draft board to try to get to the top of the first round to get that next big quarterback and here are the Niners taking the last using the last pick in the draft to pick a quarterback who had a ton of starts at Iowa State who was you know was solid like wasn't anything great at Iowa State but he was solid he was consistent and luck look what look what happened he used that experience in college to turn into a, a good NFL quarterback and Kyle Shanahan just made him an even better you know quarterback on the other side you have Josh Dobbs who's been waiting for his turn for seven years mm-hmm. right he started his last five games three of them this year and the last two last year before that he hadn't started a game in the NFL he had been in his backup bouncing around the league. He's played, I think, four teams, I think it is. Um, five teams. This is fifth team. And he's just been patiently waiting, figuring out and learning, like, this is what I want to do when I have my shot. And now he finally has a shot and he's taking advantage of it. So, you know, I think, you know, actually, you know what? The more I talk about it, there's actually a lot of similarities between these guys. Like, not a lot of expectations on them. People kind of overlook them. And here they are doing their thing with coaches and teams that, you know, believed in them. I think, I think that, that you can, you can compare that, I think, a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that is probably the only 
their styles are so different and obviously their time in the league is different, but there is something to be said for that. I think, you know, with Shanahan and Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan is an incredible coach and I could not agree more with that, but we've seen him over the years. Now, granted the teams were not nearly as good. The people around the quarterbacks really were not as good, but Brian Hoyer, CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins, he didn't win a ton of games with and Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard like did the best they could. And Nick Mullins, I think did kind of a yeoman's job while he was, while he was out there. But I think, yes, Kyle's an incredible coach and Brock has a lot around him, but I, I do think Brock still gets quite a bit of credit for what he's been able to. I, mean, I think compared to the guys you talked to, you just talked about, I think Brock Purdy is head and shoulders better than, right? Like yeah. I'm not saying like you're going to throw any quarterback in Kyle's, Kyle's system and, and he's going to, turn him into an NFL, you know, a playoff caliber quarterback. He's still got to be a good quarterback, you know, and I think that Brock Purdy is a good quarterback, you know, and I think he just wasn't sexy enough for teams to, you know, pick higher, obviously. And Kyle saw something in him and said, you know what, like this guy can fit what we do. He's good. He has the experience. Let's take a shot at him. It's a flyer, right? Like the last pick in the draft, always going to be a flyer and it paid off. It, it certainly did. And it's interesting because they were really high on him uh, when they did draft him in it. Brian Greasy saw something in him. Kubiak saw something in him. And so it, was, it is kind of amazing how how it worked out. And the thing with Brock Purdy, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, what's truly amazing is how much Kyle trusts him. Because in the time I've been covering this team, and that is the entire time that Kyle Shanahan has been here, I've never seen him trust a quarterback to run his offense the way that he trusts Brock Purdy. And there's a confidence to Brock Purdy, which was something I'm not going to say that when I saw him in rookie minicamp and first met him, I was like, oh yeah, this guy's going to be a playoff caliber quarterback. But there was a confidence in him from the get-go that obviously has served him, him well as well. 100%. I think that has to do with probably a lot of the experience, right? Of, of, of playing all those games in college and getting like, Honestly, like to, to some degree, and this might sound crazy to a lot of people listening, but like it might not matter where you play. If you just keep playing, right? And you, you know, and, and you keep seeing that type of, you, you know, see good defenses and you just get those reps. It's all about getting those reps. Absolutely. You have four full years of that. Like that will give you an advantage over guys who are playing two years any day of the week. And what I think will be very interesting in this NIL world is will quarterbacks and players generally stay in college longer? We are seeing it. And you look, if I think for a quarterback in college who's thinking about coming out, looking at Brock Purdy, if you say like, well, you know what? I might be that guy too that people aren't giving enough credit to, or maybe I'm somewhere in the middle and, but I know it can be great. Like, do you stay, get the reps? Because with NIL, you now can make money anyway. So do the reps become more important? It'll be kind of interesting to see. I would. Absolutely. We've turned this into a, now this is an NIL podcast, you guys. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the game on Sunday. Tell us how it goes. Uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the 49ers defense because Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals, as you said, went up against the Cowboys defense. Yes, without Trayvon Diggs, but still one of the top defenses in the league up against Micah Parsons and company. Now they come up against this 49ers defense. How does Arizona's offense find a way to, I don't know if outsmart is the right word, outplay this this top defense from San Francisco? Yeah, I think they're going to have to control the ground game, right? They're going to have to pound it quite a bit early to set that up. And then they're going to have to just kind of, they might have to kind of go through the bag of tricks, right? Like they have a lot of speed in Rondale Moore and Marquise Brown. 
Uh, Michael Wilson's is pretty, you know, pretty fast. Um, and then they have, you know, reliability in guys like, um, Zach Pascal, um, Zach Ertz. They have Trey McBride. Those last two guys are tight ends. Like they can hurt teams in the zero to 10 yard range in like 30 and above, right? They have that, that versatility to do that. And I think a lot of that will depend on how well James Conner can run the ball. And they're going to run him early. They're going to run him often. They're going to try to set the tone quickly. Um, and I think that will dictate what, what happens. If the Niners can kind of shut down that ground game, I think it's going to be a long day for Arizona. But if Arizona starts to break off some chunk yards I saw on the ground, oh, and then you go, no, then, then I, I think the Cardinals could get into a rhythm. Then you add in kind of the, you know, the, the versatility of Dobbs. He can obviously make plays with his, with his arm. He's a quarterback, obviously, but like he can make some plays with his feet too. So you, you, you tie all that together with a nice bow. And, you know, if, if all of it's clicking like it did against Dallas, Arizona could find a way to score some points, and that's when it could get interesting. You say that Dobbs can make plays with the arm because he's a quarterback, obviously, but I could name five quarterbacks off the top of my head who who are quarterbacks and can't really make any plays. So I think that it was fair <laughs> for you to throw that in there because I can think of a few that are having a lot of trouble with the making of the plays. Uh, I did. Did I see James Conner on the Wednesday injury report? Yep, uh, he was limited today with, let's see here, he was limited with, like you said, this is Tuesday, limited with a back injury. Um, my guess is they're just going to take, I'm oh, sorry, this is Wednesday, yeah, I, I don't know what day this is. Today's Wednesday, they are going to, probably, you know, my guess is take it slow with him, uh, just to make sure he's ready for Sunday, because they don't win this game without him, so they need him. Yeah, no, I would, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think this is, I think this is actually going to be, this could end up being a little bit more of a fun game than people are anticipating because I also division games are just weird. They're always weird. Like no matter what, they're just kind they of, are. they are. It's like, it's like a, it's like a college conference game. Like you just never know, right? Like these teams know each other. Well, I, I'd like to say these teams know each other so well, just because they're in the same division, but new staff, largely a new roster in Arizona. Like, Here's why I think it might not go well. It might not be one of those fun games because the Cardinals, this version of the Cardinals, don't really know what they're getting themselves into, right? Like Cliff Kingsbury's yeah. Cardinals last year, they had four years of this. They knew exactly what they're getting themselves into when they went and played the Niners or the Niners came here. This is totally different. This is the first time, you know, it's kind of like that first date. You don't really know what's going to happen. You don't really know how the other person's going to be in certain situations. You kind of need to feel it out. But then that second date, third date, fourth date, fifth date, like everything kind of gets a little bit easier and you kind of know like how they like to do things. That's the same thing here, right? This is that first date. This is the first time they're facing each other in the Jonathan Gannon era with such a new roster. Like I think there's going to be like this coaching staff, a lot of this coaching staff, coaching staff hasn't even been to Levi stadium. Like there's so many new things that I think that they're going to have to figure out this, this week. So that's why it might not be that type of game. But at the same time, like you said, divisional games, like, I'm not going to be shocked if this is a nail-biter come the fourth quarter. Here's my prediction. I think the first half is going to be like, oh, well, maybe the Cardinals can pull this out. And then I think by midway through the qu- third quarter, it's going to be like, no, mm-mm, they can't. I'm gonna go, that's, there's, my, there's my really deep analysis for you guys. I'm not going to be surprised if that happens. Now, I will say this. If it's close going into the fourth, I think it's a toss-up. Right. I think the Cardinals could could take it. Like they have a great kicker in Matt Prater. 
You know, like this defense, like I said, it's stout. Like it came up with a big play at the end of the game to beat the Cowboys. Like if they go into the fourth quarter close, like I'm not going to put, put, I want to say I put my money on the Cardinals, but I would say I wouldn't put my money against the Cardinals. I going with your dating analogy, because I think that that was sort of fun. I feel like you're right about the fourth quarter. And here's, here's, here's going to be, I'm going to take the dating analogy, taking it a step further. So bear with me and feel free when I'm done to be like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) But it's kind of like, you're like three quarters through the date. It's a little bit, I mean, I guess he was not, he's nice. I could take it or leave it. And then you bond over like some shared experience and day two is happening. I mean, it sounds great. I don't know what, like, where that's going, but it sounds fantastic. I don't know, but I'm like, like, dating analogy, and then I, that's where I was taking the fourth quarter. I just sometimes like to play around with words and ideas. They don't always work, but the nice thing is it's my <laughs> podcast, so there's like Absolutely. no one who can be like, yeah, that's dumb. I mean, you it's, can say it's dumb, but it still would be in the podcast. <laughs> hey, it's your podcast. You can do what you want to, right? We could turn this into a full-on dating podcast now. Do like matchups, like dates, but I will share everybody because again, we have a great piece of content on the Fangirl Sports Network at Fangirl Sports Network on Instagram called The Dating Game. And they, my team does a much better job than I just did there. All right. So here is going to be my question before we get to predictions. I'm not going to make you just score prediction because I myself am terrible at them. So it doesn't seem fair to make other people do them. But who do you see as the Cardinals X factor in this game? Ooh. I know. I asked the hard-hitting questions. I actually think it might be Zach Ertz because we know that like guys like Rondale Moore and Marquise Brown, like they have that speed to take the top off the defense. I think this is the type of game that Zach Ertz can dominate from like the ten yard to like twenty yard area, and I think that could be that could open up the running game, that could open up the passing game. So I'm going to go with Zach Ertz. So let me tell you the thing about Zach Ertz is that I. 100% know he is on the Cardinals. And I would say at least once a day, I pr- forget that he's on the Cardinals. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know why that is. And I don't know if it's because like Julia is just retired. And so I was like, maybe Zach Ertz is also retired. That also makes zero sense whatsoever. But I had this thought today. I was doing some research and prep work yesterday, pulling all this stuff on Zach Ertz. And then today I was like, oh yeah, Zach Ertz is on this team. I don't know why that happens. I hope he's not listening to this. I guess it doesn't matter, but maybe this could be like bulletin board motivation for him. Like that girl forgets I'm on this team on a daily basis. But I think that's a really interesting X factor and I like it. I like Here's my question. Here's my question. Yes. Why are you thinking about Zach Ertz on a daily basis? I think by daily basis, I mean like this week. (laughs) (laughs) You feel better. Yeah. Cause otherwise it would be weird for me to be thinking about him all that frequently. Yeah. I mean, and not even like there's a weird sense. Like, that's just like I don't, I don't think about guys from other teams on a daily basis. Like I think of, like a lot of guys I cover, I'm sure they pop in my head at some point on a daily basis. But I'm just curious. I was just curious why why someone who covers the Niners would you know, would think about that where Zach Ertz is playing on a daily basis. That's all. I I do think part of it is because Julie Ertz recently played her last game and she retired, and we covered that on Fangirl Sports Network. And so I think by association, it made me think of Zach Ertz. And then I was like, oh yeah, the 49ers are playing the Cardinals next week. And then as I started my prep work, here's where we are. I would imagine by Monday, next Monday, I'm thinking about Zach Ertz a lot less. That's fair. That's fair. No offense to Zach. I'm sure he is a great guy. And I 
just won't be thinking about him as frequently because now I'll be starting to think about the Cowboys and I'll be thinking about like Micah Parsons and Dak Prescott. I um I don't think he's going to be offended if you don't think about him a ton. Just just have a hunch. I'll tell him. How's that? What's that? We just won't tell him. That's, you know what? Your secret's safe with me and everyone else who listens. Thanks, guys. Just don't forget about the Swifties. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. I'm going to give you a 49ers X Factor that everyone is going to say is my Michigan bias, but I kind of think it might be Ronnie Bell because he stepped up last week with Brandon Ayuk out. See, we'll see what happens with these wide receiver injuries, but I think he could be a, he could be an X N X factor. He's not going to necessarily be a difference in the game. I would say the X factors in the game, and they probably don't really count because they're Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. But I think obviously stopping that run game is going to be the most important thing mm-hmm. for this 49ers defense. But I'm just going to throw out there that I think we have a potential for a big Ronnie Bell game. Again, it's probably it could be my Michigan bias, but I own my Michigan bias, and I'm fine with it. All right, as long as you own it. Right? Oh, That's all that matters. Yeah. It has basically been accepted that all my lack of bias has gone out the window with Jake Moody and Ronnie Bell. <laughs> Everyone's just kind of accepted it. Here's the thing. The Cardinals cornerbacks have been picked on a lot. They have a rookie cornerback in Keetrell Clark, Marco Wilson out of Florida. He's, um, he's been picked on quite a bit too. So um, if, 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 if Brock Purdy can get the time to throw, I have no doubt that they're going to go after these guys. So, you know, these receivers could have a huge game. A rookie cornerback just feels like such a tough place to be. I think that's that's a tough position as a rookie. Very tough. It's like very few people – I don't have stats on this, so I'm sure there's someone on Twitter who will be happy to mansplain to me why I'm wrong about this. But I would imagine there are very few rookie cornerbacks – they're all, and someone on Twitter is also going to be like, well, so-and-so would be like, yeah, I didn't say none. I said very few, <laughs> but who come in and just dominate. It's a tough position. First off, you're not wrong by any stretch. It is, you have to be. Oh, don't very, worry, Josh. Someone will tell me I'm wrong. Oh, don't I have no me. doubt about it. I, I mean, it's Twitter, right? And it's men. Like, I have no doubt about it. But like, <laughs> corner, just to begin with, is one of the most mentally taxing positions in the NFL. So you do that as a 21, 22 year old, like first year in the league. Like you're still trying to figure out like how, to, especially like week one, let's say like mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out like, what's your routine going to be after the game? Like, where do you want to eat dinner? Like there's so many things you're still learning, like, like how to get to the buses, but you're right. being asked to play on, a, on an Island against whoever's other team's top receiver, or their second best receiver. Like that's not easy. And to do it as a rookie, like the one thing Jonathan Gannon likes to keep saying is that Keetrell Clark is very mentally strong and he has figured out how to kind of, you know, to quote my favorite philosopher, Theodore Lasso, like how to be a goldfish. <laughs> and like, you know, like he, you have to be a goldfish to be, to be a corner, be a quarterback. Those two things you have to be, uh, you have to be a goldfish and just forget the last play. And he said, he's done a good job of that so far. So it's, it's helping, but you know what, like what, what, what the problem, the other problem with rookie corners is like, you don't know what you don't know, right? So, like, right. you're still trying to figure out life as a corner, and these other receivers are probably more experienced, the quarterback's more experienced. Like, they know how to pick on you, and it can get – I mean, he just gets a lot of balls thrown his way. I really love that you quoted Theodore Lasso. That he's, really- he's He is the philosopher of our time. He is. He really is. He's amazing. All right, I have one more thing before I get to these predictions that I promised a few mi- minutes ago. But we talked about Kyle Shanahan and, and what a tremendous coach he is. He just signed an extension and he will be 
in Santa Clara for quite some time. I'd love to just know kind of your early impressions of Jonathan Gannon. So hmm, I think he's, I think he's, hmm, how do I say this? He's trying to figure out who he is, but everything that he said this team would be, it is. He said they'd be they they they'd be tough, which they're um, they're a very tough team. Like we haven't seen this type of toughness in Arizona in a while. You know they're gritty, um, and you know that is that's kind of been the definition of the, especially this defense early on. So I, I think that you know he has a personality to be a strong leader. He commands a room very well. I think you know, but I think you know he's still it's still a work in progress and. You know, he is the type of guy that isn't going to get bogged down by what the narrative is around him. And, you know, he he, he says he's not big on social media, but yet then he'll, like, say something you're like, oh, well, that was only on social media, so of course you, you saw it. Um, and I, I like him. Like, I like covering him. I, I enjoy talking to him. You know, I think that, that the Cardinals have a guy who, for the first time in a while, maybe since Bruce Arians, is that type of of leader like he doesn't say a ton of press conferences well let me take, this is wednesday we talked today and that's probably his best press conference of the season but when he does get going he's great but he also is very fond of like the three-word answer so um i don't know i, I like him I, I think that he's going to figure out how to be a good head coach in this league and i think it's going to be very different whenever kyler murray comes back but i think he's i think he's, he's doing a good job so far of figuring out how to be this type of role the ceo role after being coordinator for the last two years well, I would love to have you back on later in the season for the second matchup because I'm so curious to see what it's like when Kyler Murray comes back and kind of what can he do with Kyler Murray because I don't know that Kyler Murray has had a super strong um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Leader? Coach? I don't know. Super strong person to guide him. How's that? I don't want to mm-hmm. particularly mean to click Kingsbury. But whatever it was, it wasn't working. And so I'm curious to see what that relationship looks like when Kyler Murray is indeed healthy. So I would love to have you back on later in the season and we can talk about it more. Let's do it. I can't wait. All right. So on Sunday, your prediction. Actually, let's just do score predictions. I'm not going to like find you or anything if it's wrong. I have no idea. Um, Score prediction. I don't know. I mean, because it's either going to be like 42 to 20 or it's going to be like, 3128. Right? Okay. Like I don't I don't know. I just I'm going I'm not good at this. What's that? I went I'm going 3113. All right, interesting. I can see it. Well, I'm terrible at score predictions, so most likely that will not be it. Like if I'm right on this one, it will be like maybe the first time ever. I'm just terrible at them. But yeah, it, that doesn't, it doesn't stop me. Yeah. So, there you go. All right, so that is those are our predictions. Either forty-two to twenty, or thirty-one twenty-eight, or thirty-one thirteen. I would say if any of those are correct, I'm gonna give it to us. Perfect, do it. I'm in. We we got that totally right. Uh, please tell everybody where they can find you on social media and beyond. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days at Josh Weinfuss. Um, I even have a little Instagram account at Josh Weinfuss ESPN. It's not too exciting, but there's a couple things there. Um, and read all my work on ESPN.com. You guys, you can find me on Twitter at TracyFGSN, on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. 
We are brought to you by Bet Online. We are brought to you by Fivo. If you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and leave a super positive review. And with that, I'll talk to everyone next week and enjoy the game. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.